Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or even, even extreme metal. Um, how are we all doing? This is part two of my, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, top 10 albums, well top, sorry, top 20 albums of 2019. I know we're getting a little bit on the light side, but uh, yeah, fuck you. Um, part one from 20 all the way down to 11 is up on wherever you get your podcast from. Do go check that out because it is incredibly mediocre. Um, I got halfway through before realizing that I was not using the microphone that I'm currently holding in my hand, but I was using the microphone attached to my laptop's webcam, which sounds like utter toilet. Um, if you want, fucking spoiler warning, because I'm going to say down 20 down to 11. If you want to know the in-depth analysis on these albums-ish, because, you know, I can't do a full review of everything because we're here all day. I already don't have time for this. Then do go, do press that pause button, go back and have a look at, to press that pause button, fuck's sake. Go and have a look at part one, 20 down to 11, plus a few shouts along the way. Um, if you go on to social media, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc., at Desolation Pod, you will find uh, countdowns for top 15 EPs of the year, and I'm currently counting down the top 20 uh, non-rock and metal albums of 2019 as well. So a little bit of crossover in the non-rock and metal stuff. You've already heard Aaron Rust and Nick Cave. The only two so far. Is there more? We'll never know. Well, we will. I'm about to tell you, but check them out as well. Um, I think that covers about everything. Yeah. I'll, next week, albums of the decade. I'm going to try to do it in one one episode. I'm already running out of time, but who knows? Uh, Twenty down to eleven. Then was Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties. Fucking first time. Uh, with routine maintenance. Uh, number 19 was Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes with End of Suffering. 18 was Carbomb with Mordial. Number 17 was Fear Inoculum by Tool. Uh, number 16 was Advice by Hawkeyes. Number 15, Dinosaur Pilot with Celebrity Mansions. Number 14, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with Ghostine. Number 13, Swallow the Sun with When a Shadow is Forced into the Light. Number 12, Tiny Moving Parts with Breathe. And then number 11... Junior, Junior, with Beautiful Life. And that moves us on to number 10. Coming to us all the way from the great nation of Russia. It is a small band called Supruga. S-U-P-R-U-G-A. And their debut album called, I believe it's pronounced Chaos. Because the word means chaos in English. But there's an influx somewhere, or an inflex, sorry, somewhere on the word. And I can't remember where it is. I did not write it down very well. Also, if you try Googling this album, it's an absolute pain in the ass because it looks like it's spelled in, obviously in Russian, X-A-O-C. But I think the C is a Cyrillic C. I say C too much. Um, so trying to find just that album, the album name on its own is a pain in the ass. But damn Ruskies though. They hail from a, uh, an area in Russia called Samara. I was going to say a small area. I have no idea if it's a small area. If it's a big area, it could be the new Moscow. Who knows? Uh, Supruga play a very, very blackened version of hardcore. It is just frighteningly terrifying. And partly because of that reason, and partly because, you know, I, don't, I think I've made mention before, 
I don't go back to listen to full albums too often. I like to pick and choose and then move on to the next album purely because I give myself a lot to listen to. I shouldn't. I should space things out more, but I'm an idiot. And because of that, and because of just how violent this album is, it's an album where as soon as I feel like I'm getting familiar with it, I take a break from it, come back, and I get that, you know, rush or that excitement you get when you listen to something really cool, something really good for the first time. I just get that every single time I switch it on. From like the dark, I when I did this uh, review in full, I did write down how to pronounce all the words in Russian, but I've I have not this time, so I apologize for not giving the Russian language the time of day. Um, but like the caustic intro of track one that leads into track two, which is undoubtedly my favorite song, the riff, the riff. I can't tell if it's. I think it is getting deeper, but somehow it's also at the same time getting higher. In like pitch, it is just this really clashing um, chord progression that just is terrifying. Then just explodes into like the frenetic bombardment of hardcore that Supruga are apparently doing now. Well, now forever. They're a very young band. Um, the track three kind of you know how Cantabats obviously. Big, riffy, hardcore punk band. You know how they often go for... They operate like at... Heavy metal... Big heavy metal riffs, but at a punk pacing, so to speak. Um, You've got really big, throaty, meaty riffs from... Who's the guitarist? Dimitri Avargin? Avargin? I've not got that right at all. But in... Track three, what really gets me, like the way, like I said, the punk pacing with the big riffs, it is Pavel Premieshkin? That's not right either. Um, but how he sets the tone and how he sets the pace of the song, despite like this big, slabby, meaty riff, I keep saying that, his tempo and the beats that he leads, and it's like very slow down, D beat sort of stuff, it's just. Oh, it's just so good. It's just really, really good. And then you get to track seven where you know how Converge, they always do like the big, almost mathy style, um, or like Borders on Math Core, like big, shouty hardcore that just sounds like everything in the world crying at the same time. And every now and again, they go to like post metal, and it's this huge, scenic, um, post-metal song obviously still with like the big sludge riffs in the background um track seven follows along that line it's the big sludgy riffs um the lead vocalist uh Ksenia Kudenko she usually has this like really blistering shout that does sit beautifully somewhere between like the hardcore punk shout and like the screech of black metal in on track seven a bit like how uh, Kara Kia, the lead singer from Oathbreaker. How she like sometimes goes like quite ghostly and like um, I don't want to say off writer, but you know like, the clean vocal style where it's like ghoulish and very haunting. She like, Kazenya does this on track seven, like that eerie high pitched vocal on the back of something that aggressive and that heavy as the 
like guitar tone and the um, drum beat. It's for sh- it, it kind of is frustrating. Oathbreaker on that last album, um, Rhea, got so much attention. I feel like with when uh, Death Heaven came out with, uh, I was gonna say Supergan, that's not right. Um, when they came out with their album, um, which I forgot, it's pink. Somebody there. Post black metal blew up, and then when Rhea came out, and it combined like post black metal with like crust punk, which what Oathbreaker um, were doing beforehand. I feel like this sort of thing, if Oathbreaker was like the next step on from Death Heaven in terms of adding. Um, punk rock to it if this was like a child Supruga would be like the second child of Oathbreaker where it goes down the more punk rock sort of thing it's still got atmosphere and it's still got like the big sludgy post-metal moments but still decidedly it's kind of like a bit more the old-fashioned um, Oathbreaker sort of sound and yeah it's just I don't know whether because she sings in Russian and I can't understand it it makes it all the more terrifying but that's kind of what you want black metal to be it's not there's a lot of black metal bands i listen to where you can understand and you think ah oh, he's just singing about crazy stuff because he's you know a bit mental whereas this because she screams at you in a completely foreign language like I don't know if I should be scared or offended or surprised or happy and it's just a weird conflict of emotions when this woman just screeches at you when there's it sounds like fucking hellfire behind her and the one thing I keep when I was listening to Chaos on like the the review listen one thing I started to pick up on is Ksenia rolls the R's a bit like how Till Lindemann does and I can't really think of a time where I've heard that on harsh vocals and I don't know if that's just indicative of the Russian language or what but I don't know what it is it's not rhythm because this is again just a bombardment of sound but just the way, I guess it adds a bit more character to it. Because I think, I've listened to a lot of Black and Hardcore. And sort of, it can sort of like fade into each other. Um, I had that with... Was it Ghostmaster? Early, um, early last year? Or Devil Master, something like that. And yeah, it was Black and Hardcore. And it all just sort of like faded into each other. And I couldn't really pick out anything. Having that like little rolls on the R's adds a bit more character. So you think, is what... I remember that part because of she did this and then it explodes into this and you know it is just insanely good this and it upsets me that something is happening in Russia right now apart from everything political is happening right now but something else is happening in Russia right now you have this you've got Turner you've got I think it's Show Me Dinosaurs band's called you've got Som which is a post black metal album I listened to last year which was fucking incredible there's a pocket of extreme metal musicians or like extreme metal bands scattered throughout Russia which are doing so well and sounding so fantastic. Not like in terms of their music, but like their production value. Sounding brilliant. And I feel like they're really getting overlooked. At some point, the Russian music scene is just going, the Russian metal scene is just going to explode and we're going to be inundated with a mess of brilliant new bands before the shit ones come along and ruin it all. And when that happens, I fucking called it. 
that was, again, not pronouncing this right at all. I believe it's something along the lines of chaos, 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 no, shut fuck it. It means chaos in English. Uh, the band's called Supruga, S-U-P-R-U-G-A. Do go find them. Um, it's an album that came out very early last year. And yes, I had track two on shuffle on my phone a lot. And every time it came on, that opening riff just really, really unsettled me for in a good way. And yeah. Fucking good times, good times. Moving on then to, conveniently, track nine. Track nine. Ah, fuck's sake. Album nine. That's how these things work when I don't fuck it up. It is Death Atlas by Cal Decapitation. It's the eighth album from the San Diego Death Grind gods, I want to say, kind of. Um, it's, it's a weird one, this, because I fucking love... Cat decapitation. I remember in that like metal hammer phase that I've talked about before, when um, pretty much all my music came through there. At some point along the line, I heard about cat decapitation, and I knew of them. When I was like really early getting into music, I was like finding out about different genres, and I was like googling them and YouTubing them to finding out what they actually sound like, and that's how I ended up finding Bring Me the Horizon for the first time, going through deathcore hearing tell Slayer not to wash his dick and then not going near them for another two years because I thought they were awful. Or I just wasn't ready for Deathcore. Bit of both. And yeah, somewhere along the way, I saw about Deathgrind and I through that I had eventually heard about Cat Decapitation and on the album Humanor, which has, it got like banned damn near every country you could think of because it is a decomposing cow shitting out a completely digested human but it's still enough where you can identify human parts and you know human you know, stuff and things and so in my head I built up this law that kind of the same reason why I didn't listen to Slipknot so time where it was just I was scared of what this band might be and then around about 2012 when Monolith of Humanity came out and started listening to that a bit, but like listened to that for the first time. I can't think what the first song was. I think it might have been Live in Peace and Defecate Peace of Me. And listening to that, I think it might have been that actually, because I'm pretty sure it's lead single. Listening to that and just being astounded because it wasn't, you know, the the OG death metal, which is just really low production, going fast as you can, cookie monster with a vocal up like a microphone up your nose this was pristine production it was the first album I think this is what made uh, Monolith of Humanity break for a lot of people because it added although it was still death metal still death grind it added that um, the air of melody to it and so whilst it was like fast and such a brutally heavy album the melody in it kind of made it a kind of catchy like Dead Cell Suicide um, Living Breathing Difficult and Piece of Meat songs like that and they sort of stuck with me for ages and then a few years later when the Anthropocene Extinction came out that was the that was the Cal, Cal Decap's big experimental album you know it had even more melody you had Industrial they got a song on there with um, Author and Punisher which is just as much as scary as this man is to then do a big industrial opening and like back into one of their songs made it even fucking worse for it and yeah just the more I listen to Cattle Decap and the more since Monolith Humanity admittedly it's only two albums 
hearing all the nuances about how they can make something so incredibly heavy while still being, you know, I don't want to say the word accessible because I wouldn't exactly play this to my friends, but they're carrying it on with Death Atlas. They've so very nearly perfected the art of making extreme metal for a great, great audience. And, you know, we're not talking about... Cradle of Filth is always going to be my go-to example for like an extreme metal band that broke the mainstream because I think everyone's first extreme metal band was Cradle of Filth. Um, you've got a lot of extreme metal bands with big followings now. You've got Likes of Meshuggah, you've got um, Watane, I think you throw up there as well, Ishan. But I would maybe not say Emperor, actually. I think Ishan is somehow bigger than Emperor, at least in my opinion. That might be wrong. Um... And this has quickly, like, Cal Decap on the base since Monolith Man has, like, fit, himself, fit themselves into that legion of not quite Cradle of Filth, but everyone knows about them level of extreme metal, which is, you think about the grand scheme of things with extreme metal music, that's so, A, rare, B, difficult, because, you know, extreme metal is not for everyone. I can't say I'm an extreme metal fan as a whole, I know what bits I like about it, what bits I don't like about it. Um, and so, in Death Atlas, I feel like it's more, I think it'd be a, a, more of a continuation from the mon- uh, Monolith of Humanity as opposed to the Anthropocene Extinction. A lot of the experimental of, experiments have gone. I think they've got that, let's say they got that out of the system, but they've done that. Um, they're experimenting more, well, they using more melodies like they did on Monolith. Um, with all this respect, Bring Back the Play, the Geocide. The song sounds fucking insane. Travis Ryan is just an unreal vocalist because his his clean vocal, if you can call it, it's not a clean vocal at all in the same way you listen to any metalcore band. You've got definitely got harsh, difficult clean. This is like, it's almost like he's gargling water as he's trying to scream. And making that distinction for having this like big, it can hit the high notes as well. The big um, like chorus parts to make it a bit more, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And still, because it is like that gargling sound, it, it is very horror movie. And like the thing I've got in my head now is on Monolith, he's got they've got a song called Forced Gender Reassignment," and halfway through that, you literally have the sound of someone gagging as they're being choked. And this is on power. If only as you're being gagged, you could sing at the same time. And that's not how music should work. That's fucking awful. But it's not. This album fucking slams. And I feel like it's. A part of it maybe got a bit lucky the fact it came out so late in the year when, you know, you start the wine out at the end of the year thinking, oh, well, the album's of the year is pretty much done. Having this, like, out of nowhere levels of good, you're like, well, I just, I cannot stop. I could listen to all these, like, lower, like, indie more stuff, or I could listen to one of the best death metal bands going right now. So, a bit of favouritism, admittedly, but... Any doubt that Cattle Decap aren't worth it, listen to him for Travis. Listen to it as well for Dave McGraw. He is on insane form. He might just be 
again, I don't know too much about Death Grind or Death Metal. He might just be a run-of-the-mill Death Metal drummer who can play really, really fast. Fair fucked. But what I hear is someone who can just fit a drum line or fit a triple or fit anything, whatever he fucking wants, and he makes it sound fucking class. Um, I can't remember what song it was, but just... He's got like... I say basic. It's not basic. It's death metal, but a very standard death metal ba- um, beat with um, snare and like cymbals. And on drums, whereas usually it'd be like double kick or like um, you know just like the two step beat, he's just fitting in triples in every now and again. I'm like, how can you remember where each triple goes? Like if you're when you're playing this live, how can you remember? It's like yep, yep, yep. No, yep, yep. No, no, yep, no. Unreal, fucking fantastic album. It's called Death Atlas. It is by Cal Decapitation. If you like being just run over by a truck, listen to this. It's a lot cheaper, probably. Right then, on to album number eight then. That didn't sound right in my head. Oh well. Album number eight is... Building suspense while I've loaded up my notes. Club Majesty. It is the fifth album by Malmo-based... I'll get to genre in a second. Um, Royal Republic. I say, again, I'll question the genre in just a second. But in 2018, um, the album that really was complete left field for what I like and what a lot of other like metal journalists that I listen, that I pay attention to, really different for what they usually go to, was Technology by Don Broco. Um. I remember listening to, I think it was a t-shirt song, and thinking, like, they've just got a massive uh, Black Sabbath riff just thrown in there for no reason. And it fucking works, despite it being, like, big pop hooks and this, that, and the other. And I always, like, discounted Don Broker as being one of those really shitty old rock bands from the early 2000s, you know, Kids in Glasshouse and that sort of shit. But then technology happened and threw everyone sideways because of how good it was despite being hilariously poppy. And I don't remember... And the album... Like, the, the take that torch, as it were, or take that baton um, from them into 2019 is Club Majesty by Royal Republic. Uh, Royal Republic used to be, like, quite upbeat garage rock anyway, so I don't want to say they didn't take themselves too seriously. They knew how to have fun. You know, you got songs like Underwear, Tommy Gun, uh, Sailing Man, that sort of thing. And they had a few songs where they want to be serious. Like, the one I always go to is Everybody Wants to Be an Astronaut, which all about wanting to travel the world but not quite as you wanted to as a child, so to speak. And even that, it's still got like an upbeat garage rock vibe to it, which is a lot of fun. I fucking adore that song. With Club Majesty, although they are still like upbeat and fun and that sort of thing, they've just done it in a completely different way, whereas now they are disco influence, electro funk rock, if there is such a thing. Um, it is just maddening levels of fun. It's really, really easy to get into as well. Just realise it's on nuclear blast. Fucking hell. Um, like the opening song, Fireman and Dancer, just flicking that on and 
for the for the first time, and I was instantly hooked. I didn't want to turn it off. I didn't want to like stop and move on to something else. It just absorbed me in, and I've liked Raw Republic for a while, but this was just a whole a whole new thing. Their natural sass, which they they have exuded a lot over the years, it blends well so much with these like disco melodies. It's very, I've likened it a lot to Scissor Sisters, how they were, you know, like the. I say, Scissor Sisters were a different kind of camp, but a big campy um, pop rock with like electro and disco and that kind of thing. This isn't too far a stone's throw away from being like that, apart from that it's got a bit more rock elements in it because, you know, not by, actually no, not by too much. Now that I think about it logically. Just like a bit more use of guitars and that what separates them. Fortune Favors is the most upbeat, fucking wonderfully fun um, protest song or diss track that there's ever been. I said someone's between the two. Um, imagine someone having a temper tantrum on a Fisher Price keyboard and then throwing glitter all over it, and you pretty much got Fortune Favors. It's all about how, like, uh, what's the least thing called? Adam Grant just. Not literally shitting on because he's not R. Kelly, but like shitting on groupies and the front row of fans and that kind of thing while she's playing to the beat of his own drum. Um, there's a... Oh, which one is it? I think it's Can't Find a Disco where it's like... I know it might also be Fortune Favors. There's a few songs that reference like getting rock and roll out the way and just getting back to disco and having a jolly old time with it. And it's just insanely... Just insane. Insane. They bring in literally the best instrument of all time in Cowbell. You got that on Campfighter Disco. Um, and like I said, Fireman and Dancer grips you from the opener. It's very, the way they build the vocal like harmonies on the chorus. It's like dancer, dancer, dancer. And each and every member comes in with their own part. It's very Queen-esque how they lay the vocal in that sort of regard. It's just, it's also infectiously catchy and I love it it's very campy it's very sleazy it's very on brand for Royal Republic just with neon lights now it's just it's not something that you know it's the album's coming up in number 7 it's you'll realise it's very much again a different direction but it's in between a hardcore album and then Cattle Decap and it could, I could, I'm happy for it to rub shoulders with both those sort of things because it's just fucking wonderful. For every bit as fun as everyone had with technology by Don Broco, you can have, and then some. In fact, even more with Club Majesty by Royal Republic. And that's why it's my number eight for the year. I keep wanting to say this year, but I'm very much not in 2019 anymore. Moving on then to number seven. It is the third album from the Woking-based hardcore troupe Employed to serve, it is called Eternal Forward Motion. It feels like Employed to Serve are very quickly become the torchbearers of the modern UK music scene. Every time there's like a top 10 countdown or anything like that that talks about um, modern metal and modern hardcore, Employed to Serve tend to be there. And I think next year's New Year's Honours list should be hailing 
uh, Justine Jones or like rewarding Justine Jones for her work for the British music scene. With her work in Employed to Serve, which I'm sure I'll touch on throughout this, her work with Holy Royal Records, she's just an absolute gem for everything from like the underground music scene all the way up to like big hits who've used um, Holy Royal as a second song to go into bigger and brighter things. It, she, the work she's done is just insane. And then like to localize it onto Employed to Serve, she is just very much like Eva Spence from Roller Tomasi where she is the face of an angel but my fucking god her vocal cords will kick your head in unfathomably good she is and like as a collective Employed to Serve have dragged an aggressive an aggressive visceral hardcore sound straight out of like the underground and they've turned into like a quality of standard that up-and-coming artists and up-and-coming bands can strive to achieve. Maybe not everyone has to be like a hardcore band, but just the level how good they can make a genre sound. And like I said, bringing up a very cathartic, converged-style hardcore and bring it into, like... A, am I right in thinking they've, they were on the cover of Kerrang! not too long ago? I, f- no, I feel like they must have been. I remember there being... I'm going to say yes, because if not, they should make that happen. But making music that sounds like this, like I remember everyone was banging on about, ow, ow, limbs. Everyone was banging on about last, um, last couple of, fuck's sake, fuck off. Uh, Warmth of a Dying Sun and Greater Than You'd Remember. And they're not easy listens. I remember getting warped of the dying sun and i had to listen to it about four or five times before i find like you know what this isn't just noise this is actually fucking beauty they have this rabid angry noise that soundtracks bleak and often painfully honest lyrics to be honest and the title track of eternal forward motion urges listener to you know forget the past not much you can do right now and just focus on what's coming up in the future Reality filter is this like pseudo clown metaphor that's used in modern day where what's on social media is not indicative of the person behind the account. You've got force fed, which could kind of be directed anywhere. It could be directed at your politicians. It could be directed at some twat work. I know I've felt a thought, these thoughts to people at work. The other day, someone put plastic in an in a oven. And I had to fix that. You don't go through days like that without wishing death upon someone. And in the review list, and one thing I noticed that it's so easy for frenetic, chaotic hardcore for the guitars on these sort of albums to sort of like mulch into each other and become just like a white noise of sound. The production on this album means that Sammy Irwin and Richard Jacobs. Uh, guitar lines they're both isolated of each other they don't mulch into each other they don't sound like one big tone they're sharp they are tight and they sound fucking unbelievable and you've got little interludes and you've got little melodies here and there to break up the album so it's not enough to lose momentum but just so you can like pick yourself up breathe in for a change and then carry on headbutting walls. It's it was one of these albums where as I'm like going through and um, like 
writing up my, the review notes for last few weeks. There are certain albums where I was just like, I cannot put my finger on why it's overtly good compared to the next hardcore album or next whatever album. But it's just fantastically good. And this is one of them. The, the quality and like the standard that they have, you could easily mess this sort of thing up. And the third attempt of asking, it doesn't feel like they're faulted in any sort of way. At the same time, they don't feel boring. They don't feel like they're repeating their own things now. Unbelievably good. Um, Yeah, if you like the sound of chainsaws in your ears, give this a go. Eternal Forward Motion is the name of the album and is the third album by UK Hardcore... I was going to say... I'm going to still call them UK Hardcore Gents employed to serve right then on to album number six then fucking hell so as i'm doing this i'm also doing laundry i'm doing dishes i've got a pack because i'm going to ely i'm just i'm such a busy man it's probably why this sounds so shit album number six then it is a debut album from london-based trio puppy the album is called goat they are you can pigeonhole them as um, like an alt metal sound, but I think I'm going to cover the sound a little bit more in just a wee while. This is an album of some of the most infectious music you'll hear all forever, quite frankly. Um, each and every song has the ability, has the capability of being the lead single um, and sell just as well as the previous one did. It is, it's classic. Like ear catching riffs along the same lines as um, Sabbath, Maiden, Priest, those sort of bands. Um, and it's been given like this big, like occulty, stonery kind of haze. And I think a lot of it comes from the vocalist, Jock Norton. You know how Tobias Ford from Ghost, like just, just his vocal line adds such a different. Um, like feel to the sound of Ghost. That's kind of what Jock does here. It's a... I, I, I don't even know how to... I, I, I don't want to say ghoulish, because I think that goes, that's too indicative of Ghost, but... Like a searing... I say, I say searing a lot. Fuck it, why not? Like a searing kind of clean vocal line, which he can use to the detriment of making it just sound... Like you should be in a wood setting fires and making rituals and this kind of crap and so that's like the overall feel of the album and you've got certain songs on the album that just go really really hard on either all of that or like that they don't settle they like to move around a bit they've got bathing blood which is like a mix of thrash metal you've got psychedelia in there you've got grunge entombed dials the doom metal all the way up it's like a slight remake from the song of like their second EP which like exploded for them uh, you've got Black Hole which weirdly has bits of like new metal and glam in there the fucking vocal harmonies on the chorus of Black Hole are just whimsical and someone some media student media study student out there somewhere is making a music video to Nightwalker and the how musically cheery and chirpy it sounds. They've got someone like picking flowers in some field somewhere because 
it just feels right it feels like you can be just a weird nature person whilst listening to Nightwalker even though when you pay attention to the lyrics they're like weirdly trippy kind of scary it's somewhere between like a Jack the Ripper sort of thing or like maybe a stalker or just you know someone you really like that only comes out at night who the fuck knows it's just odd it's really weird they're weird lads but they're fun at doing it and you know, the, the way Jock and the bassist Will Michael combine together for the big, like, very, very pop vocal melodies. And, like, the vocal hooks here and there. Like, Mike, um, Will usually has, like, a nice higher-pitched thing in the background to really propel Jock's, like... Off the, it's not... I don't want to say his deep vo- vocal, because I think that sets a standard as for something else, but the way he... That Tobias in your game with the way he just like skulks through songs but a bit more upbeat because he's not ghost and not quite boring um, this is way more entertaining it is just it's such an easy listen to this I know I said that about a couple of albums I think that's why a lot more albums like this feature higher up on the, on the card because they are albums where you can just sit down flick on I forgot I dare I say I forgot how good the goat was um because it, it was hovering around like top I think top 3 for a lot of the year and it was only when I was compiling the top 20 where it fell out the top 5 and I was thinking to myself should it be this high because a few of the podcasts and a few of like journalists I pay attention to they had listened to volume 2 and they thought based on what they heard it's good but not as good as they were expecting I think they a part of that is they did that to themselves this is the first time I probably listened to Puppy and I was like, should it be this high? Am I happy with it being this high? And I was listening to it last night for the review list, and I was like, fucking hell yeah. It absolutely deserves it. And I think most other year, it'd be at the very, very least top three, which I know is not... It's it's a medal. It's a fucking medal. Um, top five. I, it was... It was a lot more difficult the t- 20 to 11 were fucking easy top 10 was hard top 5 was fucking impossible and I'm gutted that puppy can't be in there but just know this is a it's an album for anyone regardless of what genre or what like music scene you put yourself into it is an album for just about anyone um, and as a, as a as a wee spoiler in my EPs of the year I featured their the um, Puppy EP 3 or III if you want to be serious, technical on on the go it's very much much uh, very much a jock kind of album there's a lot of really interesting gu- guitar stuff the riffs on there are just insane remind me a lot of Helmet quite a few times on the EP I feel like it's much more of like a Will Michael um, lead band the, uh, the bass lines on the go are great on 3 they're even better but if you listen to this and you realise that man that Will Michael ain't he a son of a gun check out 3 alternatively if you listen to 3 first and think man that jock what does he like listen to the go either way just listen to Puppy because they're fucking great and I know you'll love them it is number 6 almost forgot how numbers work number 6 on my list for the top 20 albums of 2019 um, it is the goat and it's by Puppy more lovely stuff coming from here in Blighty and then we are 
into the realms of the fabled top five. Uh, just a quick rundown of 10 down to 6. You had Supruga with the word I can't pronounce. Death Atlas by Captain Competition number 9. Club Majesty from Royal Republic at number 8. Employed to serve with Internal Forward Motion at 7. And then The Goat by Puppy at 6. Number 5 then is my greatest discovery of 2019. Um, it is The Menzingers. It is their sixth album. They're from Scranton in Pennsylvania. Um, it's called Hello Exile. And they have made me realise that I want Heartland Punk in my life more than anything else in the world. I've even been tempted to even go and start listening to Spruce Springsteen. This is how good the Menzingers are. I just... Looking at the discography, I've realised... I recognise a lot of their artwork and it pains me that I've glossed over so many Menzingers albums over the years. Um, they are just... I heard... I, hear about them everywhere every podcast and every journalist I listen to always bangs on about the men's thing about how they are one of the best I'm like just are they though because in my mind emo was still well up until this year emo was still a bit of a dirty word because it was like a umbrella term for the wave of like the mid 2000s like you might came to panic fall out by that sort of thing and a lot of those bands, not saying not the ones I just mentioned, but you had the great ones like those ones. You had a lot, so many of the shit ones around at the same time that like try to coattail it. And then the aftermath of that was Fall Out Boy went to shit, Panic at Disco went pop, and My Chemical Romance just fucked off, and then just left all the really shit one behind. So up until this year, emo was still a bit of a curse word. And seeing the Menzingers and seeing like punk rock with emo, I'm like, ah, oh, just are they going to ruin it? And then hearing about Hello Exile, hearing about how everyone was going absolutely spanners for it, I listened to Freaks, and I thought it's a fucking great song. In the comparison to Hello Exile and After the Party, it's kind of a poor song now. But on its own, when I was listening for the first time, I thought, fucking hell, this is insane. This is just brilliant. On the back of Freaks, on the back of America You're Freaking Me Out, which is might be one of the best songs of last year, it's up there with War by Brutus. Um, when I saw the announcement of Hello XR, I felt the need that I had to go back and listen to After the Party, and oh my fucking God. At some point, I will do a proper review on After the Party, but for now, it is just impeccably good there's not a song in there that I can think of that I don't like there's not a song out there that is less than 8 out of 10 holy fucking shit what a band and so on the back of all that on the back of Freaks on the back of American If You Come Out on the back of After The Party you bet your bum I was ready for Hello Exile and every single fucking thing about them that I've heard said about them is absolutely true they are wonderful storytellers. You can literally make a song out of... I think it was a Hard Times um, headline, which was they could make a song out of smoking a cigarette. Or he's like made an album out of smoking a cigarette or some other joke like that. They are, they are just musically as well. Everything fits so well. It all sound it sounds so nice there's a really shit way of describing anything but my god it just it's just so nice it's so good and lovely 
There is a song in a Menzinger's album for any situation. The um, cold winter nights when you just want to stay in and wrap up warm. My stomach's making all weird noises. Um, wrap up warm. There's a Menzinger song for that. If you want to go out and have friends, um, have fun with your friends out in the summer and like walk through cornfields and all that shite, there's a Menzinger song for that. Road trip, Menzinger song. Breakup, Menzinger song for that. They are just... They can write any song about anything and it will fit any scenario. And there's an air of relatableness. Relatability? Relatability. That's the real English. There's an air of relatability to them because they're not stretched out in you know, the realms of fantasy. It is very much a case of, um, you know, just on, just on this album... America, you're freaking me out. Everyone's kind of worried about what America's doing. Americans are worried about what Americans are doing. It's a fucking weird place up there at the moment. You've got Strangers Forever, which talks about how instead of dating, why don't we just not? Because it hasn't really gone... It might not go well. Um, we might just end up wasting each other's time or breaking each other's hearts. Either or. Strangers Forever. Um, high School Friend is just like an upbeat, happy song about hanging out with your high school friends. Anna is about um, a relationship going long distance and missing the other person. It is all very, very human. And I th- th- everyone else has said this already. I'm slow to pick up. But this is what makes Mengslingers so good. Is that they are a very human band. And you can feel everything they're feeling. And you want to relate to everything they say. It, I on the Riot Act podcast they describe it so well it's like when you listen to a Menzinger's album you think they've made this song and this album about you and you alone and then you get to a concert and you realise every other person in this building feels the exact same way they all feel like Menzingers are writing directly to them and I think this is the first time where I've really understood where like fan worship really exists like for the on onto the album itself, it took me so many times to try and force myself past America, You're Freaking Me Out, because it's such a fucking... Oh my god, what a song that is. Just Jesus shit. The, I, once you get past America, You're Freaking Me Out, the bare-faced talent of Strangers Forever, Strawberry Mansion, Anna, High School Friend. Unworldly. Unworldly good. The... I can't really go into any more about just saying that. The the, way, the standard again the quality of the songwriting the quality of the lyrics and how they can how the stories flow so well one after another another it's so inspiring that I've been sitting in my hands like oh, I wish wish I could do anything half as good as this and it's got a seal of approval for me it's got that boy Will Yip on production I swear I must have sung his praise before he's as an incredible producer he's worked with La Dispute Code Orange Defeater Turnstiles Wicked Face Springs Eternal Bounce Composure Bounce and Composure excuse me he is wonderful good wonderful good wonderful good and to work with a band like Menzingers who's I think he worked on After the Pipe with them as well just a combination of many 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 good things Menzingers just a special kind of band really really are and oh, I'm so in love I just can't wait to 
I've got this week off. I can just sit and go through their entire geography and not have to speak to anyone. And I cannot fucking wait. Watch me not do that and find something else to do. But in case I do, oh, I might have a really good week. That is my number five. Start the top five is Hello Exile by the Menzingers. Oh, I love them. I just want them for my own. Um, but apparently not as much as four other albums, but never mind. We will move on then to album number four, or the number four album. That sounds better. Um, it is the... Uh, depending on when you listen to this, this might be a spoiler, but it is the number one album outside the realms of rock and metal for me this year. It is There Existed an Addiction... Ugh. I'll try again. There Existed an Addiction to Blood. It is by Clipping. It is their third album. They are based in LA in the California. And I keep seeing them labeled as horrorcore, um, which to me is the music that ICP make. And so that's already a dirty word. So I'm going to prefer to call them experimental hip hop because I don't want the the name of Insane Clown Password to deter or to dirty the name of their existing addiction to blood which is actually surprising difficult to say when you're not awake or awake or just me. I said on the Car Bomb review that there are many more heavier albums to come than Mordial. Um, um, but they were like their own different kind of special. And there are, there have been sonically heavier bands, like musically heavier bands you know, you had the Cat Decapitation album. I'd even maybe throw Supruga up there as well as like an argument to maybe be heavier than Car Bomb. This genuinely, for theme, for feeling, for things like that, genuinely has a case of being the heaviest album of the year. It is the purest, most meteoric representation of classic hardcore. You know, back when it was all about suspense and playing with your emotions. If you want gore, you've got cattle decapitation. If you want jump scares, you've got some... I'd say you've even got um, car bomb for that. Cause, like, the spastic just jumping out at you. In clipping, you've just got slow builds and unsettling suspense. You've got nothing is safe, which it all starts from just a single piano key played over and over again and it slowly turns into like a John Carpenter-esque like Halloween theme song that's being remixed um, Club Down just gets angrier and angrier and angrier um, as it builds up this wall of static behind it all All in Your Head is a volatile trade-off between David Diggs and like he almost has like buzzword verses where it's very monotone he's very succinct and quite cold in his execution and then you've got Robin Hood legit um, who's just got this like really it's not aggressive because it's, it's just rap she's got clean vocal she's not shouting She's, it, but it feels like she could be up in your face just talon claws at the ready oh, I wouldn't want to fucking mess with her and just the music it is just this blending of hip hop with noise with industrial with just 
weird and wonderful experimentation. Um, lyrically, it is just as unforgiving. It is tackling historical racism. It's tackling police brutality. Comparing them to Werewolves of the Night, you've got... Um, there's an interwoven story throughout the album. Or It's on All In Your Head. It's on the interludes. It's like this like continuation story of mind control on story seven it's like the latest or newest part of the chapter in a story that Clifford have been telling throughout their entire discography it's legendary folklore based in a modern day setting you've got um he dead which almost has like the he dead and i think it was all in your head as well where it's almost like tribal at parts just to really like that ritualistic tribal sound to really push like a haunted music atmosphere that's creating and then you get to the final song on the album which is an 80 minute so- I say the word song very loosely it's called piano burning and it's called that because literally it is 18 minutes of a piano burning it is it acts as a cleansing for the album I've called it and it's it is the most occult thing about all the tribal, um, like, oh, sorry, all the ritualistic tra- chanting, all like the stone cold um, vocal executions, all like the stories of folklore and that sort of thing. Just the piano burning and listen to it crackle and pop as you go along. That level of like occultism and ritualism is just, it is unbelievably good. This. And the way I've compared it, and you, I'll go into much more detail on the um, post at the end of the week. Everything Code Orange did to hardcore, like they're the blending with mu- um, the different musical sounds to trying to experiment outside the realms of what is normal hardcore, just doing all these weird and wonderful things. Everything they did to hardcore, clipping, clipping are doing to hip hop. The the horror, the, the fear they put into you, the blending of different like musical tropes like industrial and, no- and noise. It's just... And I, I cannot find anything else like this. I tried looking for horrorcore and I got like Scarlord and I thought that was bollocks. Um, you go to the rooms of like experimental hardcore and there's people going like, the other end experiment just trying to do weird and wacky things it's almost like avant-garde metal you find one cool band of avant-garde and you see the next person who's just weird jazz noise and they're going full experimental there's nothing that I found so far quite like Kipping and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because A it means that other people aren't this twisted but B it means you just gotta wait every single time for Clipping to release something new to get a fix of what is Scarier than any horror film that you will listen to. It is album number four of my albums of the year. It's by Clipping. It's called There Existed an Addiction to Blood. Find it. Just, oh, oh, oh boy. It's fucking fantastic. Wonderfully good. On to middle placement now. We'll start, well, I was going to say, we'll start with number three. That's the most logical way of starting. We're going to go all the way to Norway for album number six from Leprous. It's called Pitfalls. Um, they are 
they're like a, a well to pigeonhole them they are a progressive metal band on this album they've gone a little more, more the progressive rock sort of thing um, which I'll get into in a little bit I fucking love Leprous they, I got shown them after they well a lot of people were talking about them because they were the backing band for Ishan when he had a bunch of live shows I think he's, they still might be um, his backing band when he does go on tour because um, I believe the lead singer of Leprous Einar uh, he is Ishan's brother-in-law so their like family get-togethers must be fucking lit and so I, I kept hearing about this band Leprous and I was reading about how they would get so such great reviews live and um, their albums reviewed quite well and I was like oh, I'll just I'll grab a handful of songs and see where we go from there and I've got like The Price The Cloak and a few others from Cole and the Congregation and it was a level of prog that I'd never heard before. I'd never, again, I don't expose myself to prog music that often, but my God, the vocal lines and like the hooks and the fucking octaves that Einar Solberg can hit is just unfathomably good. You, It's sort of level of vocal performance where it could make or break someone. Hitting those high notes, high notes can just be laughed off like, oh, you can't sing, but he's trying to. Or it could be the most powerful thing you listen to and it ended up being B. Um, got Molina when that came out and still one of my favourite albums of all time. That is just an unruly triumph of progressive music. It's, I'd say, progressive metal with a touch of hard rock in there, if, as weird as that sounds. Um, but the ideas and the formulas that they conjure up as a unit, it is just sensational. I love Molina. And then I was really excited when I heard Leprous were going to start making album number six in Pitfalls. The first song below kind of caught me off guard because it's so, even though they are progressive metal band, you always expect them to be different and be a bit, not wacky, but just a bit more out there than you standard um, band below was beyond what I was expecting a touch more electronic a little bit more poppy and then it explodes into Einar's big uh, vocal part for the choruses and it's like my god it's, he, he's just an incredible vocalist and then Alleviate came out and then it just fucking Einar was one of the best vocalists currently ever in any genre the way he can climb octaves in one fell note it's i remember i've seen a video of a classically trained vocal coach um you know you got the the the, the professional react sort of thing for various different tv shows and music and she said that vocal climb on a single note is one of the hardest things to do well and he fucking does it with like one larynx tied behind his back the album of pitfalls is a lot more experimental than previous efforts as i said it's got a lot more a lot more symphonic elements in there he's worked with i think a serbian choir and orchestra they brought in a cellist and a violinist for the album there's a lot more pop elements in there. There are loads more electronica. 
and a touch bit more of post-rock. And what makes this album really interesting as a songwriting point of view is Einar is in a leading role. He's written... Yeah, he wrote, uh, he wrote all the music to um, the album, but a little bit from Simon Borvan on Distant Bells. Usually it's handled by, at least the lyrics are handled by Tor Odman Shirk, I want to say. Is, that's how you pronounce his last name? It's Norwegian, I'm really sorry. Um, who's the guitarist. And don't want to say he's taken a back seat, but I and I just went, went with this album, and, well, I took the album and ran. And... Like, you look at songs like Below and Alleviate and Observe the Train, the style, the, how he's put himself front and centre, the confidence to be able to manage this entire ensemble of music. Keep, like, having the progressive rock in there, engaging with all these different varieties of sound, getting in um, other musicians, taking excuse me, inspiration from... Um, choirs and orchestra it is just <sighs> I, I keep using the same words to describe things and I'm really really sorry but oh my god just I've seen a lot of people say like it should be considered like Einar's solo album and to a point I can kind of understand it but why why fucking why there's loads of there's loads of bands where like one person takes control it might just be like a one album experiment who the fuck cares if he wants to do this on a solo album, I can't fucking wait because this is incredible. It's so fucking good. Holy fucking butts. Um, I've read that he, every time they record a part to a song, they separate it so they saved each and every version of it so that he could sit down and pick out which part was his favourite and then use that. That level of commitment. And I think he did that over like a 60, either 60 or 80 day period, just that constantly. Like, you fucking madman. As someone who is so dedicated to his art, it's unreal. Uh, the Sky is Red, which is the 11 minute closer of the album, is just like tall but with extra drama and good. Um, the brilliant string arrangement that I can say about it the cellist is Raphael Weinroth Brown and the violinist is Chris Baum. They, they combine together to make some beautiful string arrangement on distant bells. And yeah, again, Einar's vocal harmonies and the climbs on Alleviate by My Throne. Sorry, not by my throne. It's by my throne. And distant bells, I fucking wrote the wrong tone. Alleviate by my throne and distant bells. How he sings is one thing. The fact that he wrote the lyrics during he went through like I think it was an eighteen month period where he struggled with depression and anxiety, and he said that he wanted the lyrics to be true. It's not glossied over. It's not like. Um, half cocked or anything like that it is the truest form of what he felt like at the time and that again adding to the confidence to put himself front of centers have to the point where people think this is a, this could be a solo album to write about a time where most people consider themselves the most um what's the word the most prone that's not the right word at all but you know most exposed i guess it's just fucking Leprous are fantastic. To have a prog band make me love music like this is just... Oh, my God. I'm upset. It's similar to... 
the top ten, I'm upset that I can't make any of them like the number one. <laughs> there can only be one one, but as far as like progressive music goes, just for music that is just sheer talent, I think Lepros are like the top ones now. At least for me. I uh, know a lot of people go on about Tool and they've got that argument in Fair Fox. If you've, if you've grown up with Tool, you're going to think like that. The majority of people think like that because Tool are Tool. I'm not going to take that away from them. But for me, on a personal level, for sheer talent, I cannot think beyond Leprous. And it's just, oh, they make me happy, even though they sound, can often sound so sad. Oh, wonderful, wonderful music. Uh, the album's called Pitfalls. It's by the Leprous all the way from Norway. Um, it's their sixth album. Find it. Check it out. It's fantastic. And now, the hardest part. I know I said like the top ten was like the, hard, like, the hardest part to do. Trying to pick between my top fucking two albums has been an absolute ordeal. I've been talking with my friend Tom at work for months about how I'm going to try and decide between them. And the only thing that did it for me was one is more surface level cynical to the point where it's antagonistic which I'll get to later and the biggest point I found was I've sat I've had one longer than I had the other time is what decided this and it's fucking bullshit and I'm sorry but these two albums are just oh my god my number two album for the year then is Microwave and their album is called Death is a Warm Blanket. It's their third album. They hail from Atlanta in Georgia. And it's an album that kind of came out of nowhere for everyone. They were previously like an emo-y alt-rock outfit. Um, and then they exploded with this album into like grunge-riddled post-hardcore. Um, imagine like the discordant fluctuations of Nirvana fronted by someone like Jamie Lenman. Who can do like the really strong clean vocals just blister you with a a shriek or a growl and then yeah it's in between like the dips and dives of like 90s era grunge it is half an hour of some of the most crushing music you can ever hope to experience you can just be like be doing nothing you flick this on two or three times and you are just set for the week it's oh my lord the, the impact some of these songs have on you you feel Nathan Hardy's range he's the lead vocalist he's just he just erupts in the way that Grunge used to do and he's just so he feels so passionate and it's in a, he feels so angry he's backed up by like some really muddy guitars and you feel like like it's an organic rage I've read some of the shit that Hardy has been through over the last few years. He's battled homelessness. He's dislocated his shoulder whilst on tour. At the same time, he had vertigo. He had infections. He grew a disassociation with the scene that he grew up with. Um, when they released their first album, he was coming away from the Mormon church. He's just had such a tumultuous decade, I think, this has all lasted for. And he reflects that in his lyrics, you know, you've got, it really doesn't matter, that's just something they say. Oh, sorry, it really doesn't get better, that's just something they say, you know, it's it's just it's just shit. And people can pretend it's not, but it just is. Um, I found my niche in this pile of shit, I've got nothing left to prove, but there's nothing else that I really want to do, so this is what I do. Um, 
finding like the most minuscule amount of joy in singing. It's not going to pay bills, but it's something that he's just going to do anyways because why the fuck not? My favourite line of the entire album, do you murder me in your lucid dreams? Oh God, I hope you do. And you'll plan it out and realise someday soon. I fucking love that. Do you murder me in your lucid dreams? Such a good line. And if you only look at what you want to see, you can see whatever you want to believe. You can make your mantra love all equally and hate everyone else that disagrees. It's spiteful. It's just so brash and he just wants to call out everyone and the like I said the impact of songs when they hit you for my friend Tom it was just the opening of Leather Daddy and I'm like yeah Leather Daddy is a fantastic song but the chorus to float to the top like my friends does where we float to the and then just the shriek of Hardy coming in I think the breakman has resigned it's just the way it builds and it climaxes for the choruses is just fantastic Carrie is brilliant part of it is like a really emotional end to it which again plays on emotion or plays on heartstrings um D-I-A-W-B uh the same mirrors of Carrie's before whichever one hate TKO it's just this wall-to-wall absolute fucking stone-cold bangers and I've harped on about it to damn near everyone I can find it's just so good it's so fucking brilliant I love it and it it was so hard to try and pick between this and my adventure number one purely because it, I think it is just how hard they explode for like because it does on um what song is it I think it is on Float to the Top where he has the verse and you just get like a little bit of static with the drum beat in the background and it goes into like um, the chorus part and just when everything comes back in again that punch of energy that's what keeps getting me every single time that's what I keep thinking should this be number one should it be number one and like I said time was the only thing that made a, a deciding vote but it is the most gold looking silver medal I think I could ever imagine it is Death is a Warm Blanket by Microwave from Atlanta oh my god it's so good I, yeah between this my number one and Puppy and um, Menzingers actually put them off the review list last night just having them on I had to I was so late finishing everything I think I finished like 3 o'clock in the morning purely because I put them on I just like to sit there and just listen to it all again because it's such great music um, before we get to the number one then a few shout outs for the year um, we had a lot of like classic bands come back and just come out with some really fucking good records um, you had Slipknot they came back with we are, yeah We Are Not Your Kind um, fucking Nero Forte on there is a sensational song uh, Ramshine as well I think Auslander is one of the best songs they've ever written um, Korn I like surprisingly really loved um the nothing uh you had like new well new to me at least uh a band called throws which <coughs> excuse me if they if i'd listened to the album it came out mid-year but it took me so long to listen to it i think i listened to it after i like put the lock on for the top 20 if i'd listened to that earlier in the year that would have been a top 20 album that album fucking rips it is 
a very fast-paced, hardcore, slug metal album, and it's just, oh, it's so, so brilliantly good. And like I said, if I got to it sooner, it would have definitely been around these parts somewhere. Um, Venom Prism, I kind of missed the hype with Animus. Um, got the Samsara, and it is just wonderful death metal, um, which is a weird, weirdly bold statement. Um... I constantly keep forgetting the lead singer's name, but she just is just one outside of Eva Spence might be my favorite um, female harsh vocalist going. Sorry, Justine, I know you're in the top ten, but she's better. Why can I never remember her name? Fuck's sake! Um, if Menzingers were my greatest discovery of 2019, my second best would be The Wild Hearts. That album, Ren- uh, Renaissance Man. Ren- Renaissance Men, the production on that, I've talked about, they were in their EP list for their dislocated EP. The P, like, just that level of riffs. I always, I always read them off because I thought they were just like a bland dad rock band. They are so not. They are fucking brilliant hard rock. Really, really big, heavy, um, like riff laden hard rock. And yeah, I've, I love the fact that a band like that have been going for like 20, 30 odd years. So I've got so much to go back and find out. Uh, White Lies were one of my favourite um, non-rock and metal albums from the start of the year. Um, like 80s, post-punk, goth rock, indie sort of stuff. Really, really good fun with that. Jamie, Levin, Jamie Lemon with Shuffle. He, there's nothing he can do that isn't fantastic anymore. He is just a unique kind of brilliant. Um, Numenorian, post-black metal, well, not even post-black actually, atmospheric black metal, which there is a difference and it took me to, really, to listen to Horizon by them to really figure out what the difference is. Wonderfully emotional black metal album that is. It's really, really, really something else. Som, I mentioned them briefly in the Supruga review. Like I said, there's a pocket of on the pocket of like extreme metal bands in Russia there's like a pocket of three I'm so sure it's called Show Me a Dinosaur is one of them Turnar T-R-N-A and Som they just keep like swapping out members to make new projects Som I think is my favourite well definitely is my favourite of all of them because I think the other two are instrumental this is post black metal with a fucking frighteningly powerful vocalist um, yeah really really good fun that is fresh emo t- um well, just emo, emo pop, um, pop punk, fucking fantastic. Withdraw, um, and yeah, it's it's nice because I fucking hate that word. It's better than most because whereas a lot of emo talks about how you know everything shit la da da da, there's like two part, well, two songs one after another. I think revenge and no nothing and then revenge, and like nothing goes on about how. You know, low self confidence, anxiety, depression. I'm nothing. I'm not. I'm not worth anything. And the songs in there as well that talk about, you know, maybe not a healthy relationship. And then revenge is like the coming out the other side. Like I am going to fucking boss this entire planet. It's yeah, emo with a happy ending, which doesn't happen that often. Swimmers, uh, formerly known as Emily's Army, they've got the Billy Joe Armstrong's son on drums he that album is just Berkeley's on fire Steve Got Rob is just an unbelievable jam um experimenting outside the usual conformity of pop punk blending a bit more 
indie rock in there. Um, wishing them all the best. They were in a car accident recently, and I think one of their guitarists and one of their vocalists got pretty torn up about it. So I hope they're doing a lot better. And final shout out will be Charlie XCX. I was gutted I couldn't fit this in the top 20. Um, she's just. Oh, I love Charlie XCX. She's fucking wonderful. Sucker was such a fucking brilliant album. Not enough people talk about that as a non rock or metal album. It's one of the best pop punk albums in a long time. Um, yeah, I think I'll do it for shout outs. And the top 10 then reads as this. Sapruga with Chaos, sure. Uh, Death Atlas by Cap Decapitation, Royal Republic with Club Majesty at number eight. Number seven is Eternal Forward Motion by Employed to Serve. Number six, Puppy with the Goat. Number five, Hello Exile by the Menzingers. Number four, Clipping with Their Existed and Addiction to Blood. Pitfalls by Leprous is my number three. Number two is Microwave with Death as a, War- Death as a Warm Blanket. And by the finest of margins, my number one is Morbid Stuff by Pup. It is their third album. They are from Toronto, Canada. And they are a very, very just stonewall punk rock band. And they're fucking brilliant at doing it. Um, I hold a very soft spot for Pup. They were the very first band I ever saw live. Um, They were supporting Pure Love in Pure Love's um, farewell shows at the platform in Lincoln and yeah they're just they were awesome they were so fucking good and i remember halfway through the set they were like oh so hey um we're apart we've come all the way from canada and just some one guy who was maybe a few drinks in just shout out the other side of the room like canada and you just had steph on the front like yeah canada hockey maple syrup that sort of thing just like canada so that guy had a great time and so did i and yeah, I think that influenced my decision making them number one as well, but I don't care. Pop are just insanely good. They're fucking wonderful. Um, and with Morbid Stuff, it kind of feels like a statement of intent. Like, cause they've over- Stefan overcame illness during, um, or just before The Dream is Over, because they had the self-titled album. In between that and when they were writing the second album, he went to the doctors and said, then they basically told him that he's got a problem with his voice, a problem with his throat, he's never going to sing again. And that's what the dream is over is all about, about how they want to make it as a band, and now that's dead and buried. Um, they then decide that, nah, fuck that, and they are going to be the best thing ever. And they, despite how popular Dream is Over was, and still is, it's just whatever it is, they haven't exploded the way they fucking should be. They should be everywhere. Um, they made their own label, and they are still... So angry. Oh my god. I think this is why I love this album. Because whereas Microwave is angry for the sake of being angry. Whereas Menzingers is relatable emo that could happen to anyone. I think this sits somewhere between the two. Because it's a very spiteful angry that I can really get on board with. Um, Yeah, lead singer Stefan Babcock is like a modern day short-tempered Shakespeare. He's got stories and idioms and they often feel like they're just streaming along to the songs to their own rhythm. Like, you look at kids, you look at sibling rivalry or full-blown, full-blown meltdown. You've got the band playing their parts, including him somehow. Like, the rest of his body is just attached from his mouth. And then you've got him 
spouting stories and spouting um, the lyrics as if he's singing along to a different song. And it really adds to like this nuanced time, not time signature, but like execution for what Pup can do. And there's lots of like nihilism, there's lots of spite, self-pity and self-loathing. Again, all the stuff that I really, really get on board with. Um, you've got, I fucking love this there. It's on Free At Last, which also has the lyric, just because you're sad again doesn't make you special at all. That's wonderful. Uh, Sloppy Steffi, back at it again, calling you at 5am. Have you been drinking? Well, of course I have. Why the hell would I be here if I wasn't? Oh, it's just so mean. <laughs> I love it. He's just such a dickhead, and it's fantastic. Um, it's a usual take. It's, well, sorry, it's a different takes on the emo, cynical mindset of songwriting. Um, you know, usually songs like this are written almost like an apology to someone, or in like third person, sort of like add some separation and disassociation, or it's like just drowned in metaphor. And this, and you know, microwave as well. It's just brash. It's just in your face. It's just supremely honest. Um, Stefan isn't looking for redemption. He isn't looking to own up or admit that he's wrong. He's just saying, this is what's happening. This is what I did. This is what happened to me. This is what's going to you. This, this is just what happens. And yeah, like I said, just because you're sad again, this makes you special at all. It is that thing of... it's such. It can be quite a mistaken line, I guess. But it is that thing... That mindset of you are upset it doesn't make you like I I might be misinterpreting it. If I, I am apologizing, but the idea that it's if you're upset, you're not a class of one. You're not different. You're not special. You're just like everyone else. And I, I imagine he would be saying that you know go and get the help that you need. But I feel like a lot of I kind of see a lot of people online say like they don't want to get help here because they don't want to like interrupt anyone or like add more or that they don't want they don't want to face those problems. And it is the thing of you're not alone, you're not different, you're not you're you know, you know, you're not unique. Everyone's got the sort of shit. But everyone's fixing it. Go sort your lives out. I might be completely wrong. But that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from it all. Just pick yourself up, get the help you need, dust yourself down, and then Fuck life, yo. Um, on the review, listen. I did pick up on um, Zach Mykula's drumming or Mykula's drumming. Tom, sorry, I forgot the name wrong. I have a friend of mine who is constantly shitting on pop punk bands, and they he says they all have like the same drum rhythms, like a very basic four four beat, and like yeah, like is indicative of, like ninety percent of all music. But never mind. You don't have that with Zach Mykula. He does fucking whatever he wants. If he wants to do a a like standard 4-4 beat on toms and the ba- floor drum why the fuck shouldn't he he's just again I feel like everyone at some point of this of this band went a different direction wrote a song and they came back in the room just threw it all together and like fuck it that'll do and then somehow it becomes fucking incredibly good um, and yeah because no one in punk no one in pop really follows con- conventional modern punk play styles you've got a lot of discordant riffs You've got like indie rock influences and melodies. Like you look at um, Kids or Scorpion Hill, you've just got like all what whittling on guitar instead of like the usual power chord sort of scenarios. Um, and yeah, everyone the separate ways to come back and then just realize it all works together. And because of that, because it's quite 
garage feeling production and it does feel like it's still honest in its anger and I, th- I think a lot of that comes to like the backstory of being now a little dipper which is that yeah excuse me the DIY label it does retain a big underdog DIY feel and I don't know if that's like played an effect of like why I like it so much I think it's just more the fact that it is just bleak but not apologizing for it it's just just take a look I guess like I, it's hard to describe it's just being angry not because you need to be not because you want to be just because that's how life is sometimes and yeah listen to it again last night again I was worried about oh, should it be microwave should it be pop should it be this should it be that listen to it on a review listening I was like no I'm quite happy with pop being my number one for the year and you know there it all is I will run down from number 20 the albums of the year fucking hell my throat hurts I, need, oh, I should have left the house at half an hour ago whoopsie sorry Dan and Zach um, number 20 Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties with Routine Maintenance number 19 Frank Carter and Rattlesnakes with End the Suffering number 18 Mordial by Carbomb number 17 Tool with Fear Inoculum 16 is Hawkeyes with Advice number 15 is Dinosaur Pilot with Celebrity Mansions uh, 14 is Nick Cave and the Bad Scenes Bad Seeds excuse me with Ghostine Number 12, Breathe by Tiny Moving Parts. 11 is Ginger with Beautiful Life. Number 10 is Supruga with Chaos. Still can't pronounce that right. Uh, Death Atlas by Capital Decapitation is number 9. Number 8, Royal Republic with Club Majesty. Employed to Serve with Eternal Forward Motion is my number 7. Number 6 is The Goat by Puppy. Number 5, The Menzing is with Hello Exile, number four. There existed an addiction to blood. I don't know why I can't can't say that very well. By Clipping. Number three is Pitfalls by Leprous. Number two is Microwave by Death as a One Blanket. And picking up that number one spot. The most exclusive of number one spots. It is Pup with Morbid Stuff. And that will do it for this week. And technically last year. But, you know, I'm shit with time. Uh, hopefully next week I should have albums of the decade I'm due for a very busy weekend so who the fuck knows what's going to happen I think that just about covers everything keep an eye on social medias for like the latest um, countdowns and shit and yeah any thoughts opinions disagreements agreements at Desolation Pod or your nearest and greatest social medias and yeah I have nothing else to promote so I'll see you guys next time Bye.